Um, no, we're playing. Okay, here it we It says are. you are live, like, yeah, as of live. five seconds ago when I started bitching about it. Okay, so shut up, and I'm going to start. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to... Anyways. Um, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on our first episode of 2023 of the Retake Lounge. We're super Happy great. New Year! <laughs> super <laughs> excited for this episode. <laughs> we have one of our very own... Uh, Patreon members, one of the OG Patreon members, Chad Harsh, joining us in. He is a new retic keeper. We're going to be doing a lot more of these new retic keeper segments, um, and we're we're excited to get this started. But before we do that, kind of wanted to drop a couple announcements. But before we do that, even before before we do that, um, again, thanks for the support in 2022. It was an amazing year to start off. We've been doing this for now five six months, um, and it's been great so far. All of you that have hung tight, watched our episodes, uh, given us feedback, given us, um, you know, positive and, 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 and negative comments, you know, we appreciate it all because it's helping us grow. Um, so if you guys are watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. Don't forget to hit the like button. Our likes are dropping a little bit. Hit the like button. Show us some likes. Show us some love. Drop some comments on any of the thoughts that you have about Help what we're Lucas talking about. Help Lucas's ego. He wants to see those numbers rise. Oh, jeez, Nathan. I just, I really say it because every other YouTuber says it, okay? That's why I say it. Um, it's it's the cool thing to say when you have a YouTube channel. Like, I truly just don't comment. give a shit. I, I like the information and the, the episodes that we've put out. So I'm just like, yeah, they like it, they like it. If they don't, yeah, see Sweet. you later. <laughs> um, anyways... I um, so back on that, please subscribe. <laughs> um, and then if you are listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, it, it's, it's a cool platform that we get to work with. So, um, let's jump in. Of course, it would be really ridiculous if we didn't mention us arc. So Nathan, go ahead and do your little blur yeah, because I'm wearing the beanie. Come on. Like, yeah, I'm they're, they're to... important. You know, support monetarily whenever you can, but most importantly, become a member. Support US Arc. Without US Arc, we wouldn't have the right to keep retics. So make sure that you're helping them whenever you can. Yeah. Um, and just I've had people ask me if I donate to US Arc. So every clutch that I produce and every animal that I send, I go ahead and donate 10% of those sales to US Arc. And then in addition to that, every single time that I send an animal out through ship your reptiles they have that donate option i max it out at the 20 dollars they allow you to so again if you can great if you can't that's okay share their youtube videos um do what you can um so couple exciting announcements for 2023 one thing that you will see different coming up on this episode is we have our very first sponsorship with stewart designs blake stewart go watch that episode if you did not we Show talk about the swag yeah. Oh, 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 that's why Stuart. I was like, oh, I don't, oh. I, I don't have it. Some homeless person in Salt Lake City has mine, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll just prompt Lucas. Um. So yeah, Blake. Blake, thank you so much for for you know, um, trusting what we're doing here at the Retake Lounge, being our first sponsor. We will make sure that we cover the full sponsorship of Stewart Design later in this episode, um, and. Yeah, we have a couple other announcements that are going to be happening with some interviews about some other affiliate sponsorships that our Patreons already have access to. So again, don't forget, if you want to become a lounger, join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the retake lounge. Whether you're just getting into retakes or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows 
on Morph Market, and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake. Have a conversation with him. To learn more or get started, visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brand, own markets, Steward Design helps create them. Nathan, you ready to get chat on here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First one of 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Let me go ahead and get him on here. And... Here you go. All right, what's going on, Chad? How's it going, guys? It's going well. <clears throat> that was a hell of an introduction. Yeah. Yeah, we did the drum roll for you. So, so let, let's start just kind of general background. Uh, year you got into reptiles, what got you into reptiles in general, and then what kind of led you down the path of retics? Uh, okay, so <clears throat> I don't know exactly what age I was, but when I was, you know, a couple years old, my mom uh, seen that I liked animals and we had a house and backyard full of, of stuff. We had uh, <clears throat> dogs, cats, birds, rabbits. We had two big walk-in like aviary things in the backyard with different Dude, kinds of too. birds. <laughs> we had a, a box turtle that lived under our shed in the backyard. Um, <clears throat> I didn't put him there. Like he was there when they bought the house. Um, <laughs> uh, fish tanks, bearded dragons. And, uh, my first snake was just a normal ball Python. Um, and it, it took off from there. I mean, we had, uh, I had, I think two garter snakes, um, a few milk snakes, a corn snake, a boa, <clears throat> um, you know, and we just catch all the stuff outside and play with those get tore up a little bit um and yeah so i mean i took a lot of years off uh, i moved from that house when i was eight or nine years old and had to get rid of everything and uh life happened for years and then i would say about a little over a year ago i got back into keeping reptiles and um it started with a couple leopard geckos, a couple crested geckos, and um, <clears throat> my first snake was my mainland that I have, which <laughs> probably sounds kind of funny. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I have a couple of retics, some boas, a hog nose, some geckos. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. What, um, how old were you when you got your first beard hair? <laughs> it was actually like two months ago. And this is the outcome. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It wasn't in high school. I didn't have, you know, I had a clean shaven face in high school. No way. Um, I would say 18 or 19, I started growing a little something. And then when I found out I was having my first kid, I, I have like, I look like a kid. If I shave this, I look like I'm like 19. So can you I send was, a, can you send us a picture so we can include it in the episode and bring it up on screen? Yes. Yes. I'll have to see if I can find one. They don't exist. I burned them all, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up when I found out I was having kids because I just, I felt like I looked like a kid, you know, I just kind of wanted to look older. So, um, let, let's talk about retakes. When did you get your first retake? Uh, October of last year. Of 2021. Yeah. Okay. So you've been keeping them just a little over a year, um, yep. or you have at least kept one for a little over a year. Um, and you clearly have like an eclectic background of keeping different type of exotic species. Um, what, what, what's been your experience like throughout that first year? um before i got my first snake getting back into it i i mean like so i kept things before i kept a variety of different snakes before um granted this was back in the early 90s when heat rocks and red bulbs were a thing but uh i did a lot of research on a lot of things before i got my first snake um getting back into it and i wanted to get a boa so I, um, I found Argentine boas and I was like that, that's what I want. I want an Argentine boa and my favorite. Um, yeah, I, I, that's my favorite boa too. So that was the plan was to go to the San Luis Obispo expo last year and get an Argentine boa. And I knew plenty about retics. I'd already read a lot of things while, you know, I took in a lot of information on, every animal I could basically. So <clears throat> the short version is I went to the expo to get a boa. They didn't have any boas that I wanted. There was only really like morph boas. Um, excuse me. So uh, I was walking by a table and a lady asked if she could hold a snake and the guy pulled my mainland out. And he's like, yeah, here you go. And hands her a mainland. So <clears throat> I had never held a retic and I'm, was fascinated by them you know it's kind of hard not to be if you've ever seen a picture one time of a retic you know Uh, um so he let me hold him the snake peed all over my my shoes um (laughs) but he was super cool he was like the most yeah he was the most like interactive fun snake i just never you know i had one boa that was probably the most fun animal i would say snake wise that i'd had before so uh my first First interaction with a retic, I was just blown away. I was like, damn, I'm not leaving this expo without this snake. So I bought him. And <clears throat> when I left the expo, I had to call my fiance and I was like, hey, so I did a thing. And I don't want you to be mad, but I kind of did a thing. And she's like, oh, shit, what'd you do? And I was like, when you think of a big snake, what comes to your mind? And she was like, I don't know, a retic. And I was like, yeah. So I bought one of those. <laughs> um, 
so that's kind of how that happened. And I ended up getting my first super dwarf, I believe a month after that, a month or so after that. Um, and so hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to skip on that part. So you, you, you got, you got your first retake and then you're like, damn, the snake is so awesome. You bought your second one a month later. Yeah, I have an addictive personality. I don't know. Yeah, what no, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know, man. I bought, you know, I ended up with, let's see. You're three, like, I, I like four, this. Five. I ended up with like six or seven geckos and seven snakes since last year. And granted, my fiance keeps the leopard geckos with her. But I mean, I if I'm going to do something, man, I just go head first into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I had one retick and then two and a half years later had close to 20. Um, so, so I can't you... relate to y'all <laughs> space, I... Nathan space. <laughs> Something I don't have. <laughs> Man, so, I mean, I'm, I'm still at, I'm still at six animals over here besides my, my cats. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, yeah, we also didn't develop infections in our spine after surgeries and had to go through a bunch of. Crap. I had I had most of my collection by that point. Give me some credit here. Um, so, I give so, you credit just for going through it with the animals. Right. For, I, seriously, I, you should have seen the pissed off mail during that time. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, so okay, you 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 got your first retake a month later. You got your first Superdorf retake. And then how long was it until you how many retakes do you have right now? Three? Uh I had three. Um Did our mutual say- acquaintance Adler has Yeah. Yeah, he stopped by when he was out visiting uh Brian Cusco. He told a me about that. back. Yeah. So he's got my uh my purple albino girl. <clears throat> yeah. News to me. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, right. well you you should you should read the Discord. Yeah, man. You should read the, this, the Patreon this Discord. Last week has been a tornado. Like, <laughs> I thought I had a week off of work. I've been busier this last week than I've been, I feel like, this whole last year. Hold on. I'm taking notes real quick. Can you repeat that? I'm trying to think of how many other excuses you're going to come up with. Oh, <laughs> Lucas is waiting for me to have my mic muted at some point in this episode. I'm, I'm, so I'm not our supporters. Are. He's counting the minutes, everyone. Our, our supporters are. They love it more than I do. <laughs> um, I just like yelling at you. And um, I, I'm playing. I'm playing the game. I'm I'm muting, unmuting, <laughs> doing the same old no. bullshit. Um. So, so Adler has one of them right now. But then after a month, a month after you got your first one, you got your second one. How long was it until you got your third one? Uh, I, my third retic, yeah, was August of this year. August of this year. Okay, so yeah. so you I'm waited. A, so no. you waited about like nine, ten months to get your third. To get my third retic. Yeah, your, <laughs> yeah, your third retic. I'm sure there's purchases I, in between. Yeah, I got three boas and a hognose <laughs> in between there. So, how's the hognose, by the way? Oh, he's cool. He's a little I, sassy guy. He thinks he's a cobra. I swear. I, I, I'd, I'd love seeing how they just randomly chew on people's freaking hands and he won't do it huh. he tried to he tried to bite my hand. i don't know if you've ever seen my hands and you've seen how small my hog nose is you would you would understand that he can't get his little tiny shovel face around my finger so yeah <clears throat> makes sense um, I, didn't, I didn't know that they were chewers like that dude they chew yeah. a lot of i see videos of them just chomping away dude huh um i'd let him if he bit me i'm just curious like 
what it feels like, honestly, you know. And what I love about like the rear fang venom species is like one person can get bit and nothing happens. And then another person could get bit and they go to the hospital because they can't yeah. take the ring off the freaking finger <clears throat> for a week. It also depends on what kind of rear fang snake it is because, uh, you know, there's some that are a lot more I heard mangroves to- toxic, can be... I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some of the mangroves and. In- or the boega, some of the boega, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, Chad, um, just with getting three retics within that span of a year and a half, what would you say has been like maybe your biggest hurdle or ba- biggest failure that you've had to overcome with just in regards of keeping these retics? <clears throat> um, I don't know. Honestly, it's I, I, they're not that hard to keep. And no, they're they're not that hard research. to keep. But have you, you found research. anything challenging in in terms of maybe their behaviors? Uh, it took me a while to figure out how to tell when they needed to go to the bathroom. So if <laughs> you, once you, you get take peed on out? a few times, it, oh, it's challenging for me learn. to figure out when they won't go to the bathroom. They, yeah. they never stop. Um, I'm trying to think honestly. The only real when I first got my mainland, I had him on substrate. And he was a March baby. So when I got him in October, I'm terrible at math, but what is that? Maybe six months or so. So he was small. He was on substrate and I fed him maybe two or three times this happened where when I fed him, he got substrate in his mouth and I was using uh, Cypress mulch, I believe was what I had the biggest issue with. So I guess the short of it is, is that I had to dig substrate out of a retic's mouth so I don't know if you ever stuck your hand in a retic's mouth, but um, <laughs> they do exactly what you would expect that they would do. Bite. I've had to open a mouth, but I haven't had to go in quite yet. Yeah, so he got it like right in the in the back of his jaw to where he couldn't close his mouth all the way. And I honestly, I just didn't think of using like feeding tongs or something else. I just pulled him out, grabbed it out of his mouth. And when as soon as it came out of his mouth, he, you know took a little bite it but i I mean i it's not it's not it's worth it yeah you know i mean especially to make sure your animal's okay you know yeah i mean i i've had some snakes where you know i i've gotten like you know repti chip or something lodged in their gum and everything and i actually i haven't gone invasively to try to remove it and fortunately for me they figure they figure it out you know within a day it's gone and i'm like okay thankfully because the first time it ever happened to me was with my wild caught Kalatoa and I had had her for only six months and I was like, and I'd only been keeping retakes for like a year and a half. And I was like, there's no shot. I'm going <laughs> inside this cage, grabbing this wild caught animal behind her head. And um, so fortunately she figured that out. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you learn, you learn stuff over time. So now obviously I know that there's other ways to do that. Honestly, I've heard people just put them in a bath, let them soak and it comes out from the yeah. water, from the moving the water. Yeah. There's a lot of better ways to do that, but yeah. that. I mean, a smaller a animal, I would have done the same thing that you did. I would have just grabbed it and, and <clears throat> you know, taken a bite to get it out. I don't yeah. really know that Depending I've actually size, dealt with. <laughs> Depending on the size. I, I don't know if I've really <laughs> I've dealt with too many ups and downs. Um, but again, like if you do your research and you, you spend your time with the animals and you just do the things you need to do, they're really easy to keep. You know, I haven't really had. Um, have you had pushing issues? Not really. Awesome. No. Good for you, man. My mainland, uh, when he was transitioning from the four 
foot to the eight foot enclosure that he's in now. Right towards the end, he was getting a little rambunctious at night, you know, but never to the point where he really messed his face up. Um, <clears throat> I did post that picture a while back where he had shed and his lip was like a little where, kind of where, pushed where, weird. Where'd, where'd you post that? I, in your Discord? In yeah, the so, owners so disc? Just as a reminder, join our Patreon. <laughs> if you know, Yeah, if you're not on there, man, what are you doing? Get in there. It's a great place. Get in there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I really haven't dealt with pushing. Um, the last two times he shed, I was kind of busy doing other things, so I just wasn't keeping the humidity above what I would normally keep it at. So I think he was kind of pushing his face a little to get the shed started. Um, but I, I've never, I usually don't have any issues like that. So yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, so that, since, since Lucas was just stroking our ego a little bit, which is funny, but like this, this question just makes me laugh even a little bit more just right after that. Um, Straying away from Lucas and myself because we weren't there when you got your first retick. Who do you feel like was maybe your biggest mentor at the start? I didn't have one. Didn't have <laughs> That's one. That's the honest. The honest truth is, um, Lucas was the first person that I spoke to personally that basically really I'm not going to say offered himself up as my mentor, but who gave me his phone number and told me to reach out if I ever have questions. And I didn't know that. So really that was the start. And, and you guys and a couple people on the Patreon are, are the only people that I really, uh, I'm not super social, you know, I don't really have a big group. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, I I'm have not either, but questions. I feel like there's a, there's a handful of breeders out there that I know I can reach out to and just ask yeah. simple questions and get a, a response back. So, I really I, don't I know, like, know any of them. I don't really I, I, talk about it. I really didn't want to stroke Lucas or my ego at this point. Right, right. Nathan led this with this, Damn like, it. you know, Lucas Damn stroker. Damn it. But, but Damn it. Ho hold on. So I want to, <laughs> I want to take into, I want to take into account just a difference of experience. Like Nathan, me and you learned about retakes and did all this stuff about retakes and like found people and then bought a snake. Chad, you bought your first snake at a we, show? We preach kind of the opposite. That's why I wanted to ask because that's kind of what our our podcast has been trying to help is the impulse buys and these animals ending up in homes where people who aren't like Chad, who don't appreciate <clears throat> how big they're going to get or what this animal ends up being, yeah, I end up getting neglected. So I mean, so Chad went without a Chad yeah. went without a mentor for a while. Hasn't had any experience with pushing. Thinks it's easy. I mean, and and it is easy to keep retakes if you just know how to work a thermostat and know how to keep a gradient temperature. Um, so yeah. that that's clean a lot of clean yeah. a lot of pee. Yeah. yeah, and aren't afraid to to deal with them. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn awesome. And um, um. Yeah, I had something else that I was just about to say that my mind blanked out that I'm sure I'll bring up. But, um, oh, we were talking about our experiences. Um, yeah, so, like, just kind of the complete opposite of what, what you experienced. But you you managed to kind of um, – you kept boas before. And I don't care what anyone says. I don't even care what you say, Chad. But boas can be – Boas could be hard to keep at times, man. The humidity, you have to keep the ambient warmer than most other animals. Um, 
I, I don't know, man. Like boas are susceptible to RIs. They're they're temperamental as hell. Like you you could you can go from thinking you're cool with your boa to it being pissed off within a second and just like (laughs) and that's all they do. They're snappy. They're snappy little man. At least to me, I haven't dealt with that with the boas either. Your your Argentine boa was not a hisser. Oh no no no! She hissed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I've never. None of the boas have ever struck at me. Oh, all mine were I've never snappy. took a bite. They have great attitudes. When Anybody I my... can go in and take them out. They are, yeah. they, they just, when I Argentines my... are very vocal though. Yeah. When I kept my Argentine vocal, and I kept a BCI when I was younger, uh, super vocal, but never snapped at me. Um, yeah. But... I, had, I had five teeth that were stuck in my middle finger for like months from one of my boas. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. I like, like retics. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love being able to read my animals a little bit, and for whatever reason, I can't do it with boas. Right, right. Um, so I'm not that guy, man. I'm not that guy. Right. Um, I was like ten years old when I had my Argentine, and I'd open up this freaking. <laughs> and this is back when I like glass aquariums were like a thing, and like you know people. Were, so I'd open up the top of that aquarium with the screen lid, and the thing would look at me and just freaking hiss at me for like. And I'd be like, "You sure I can grab you?" <laughs> Wasn't your Argentine wild caught or or? I'm pretty sure it was that. wild caught because I got it from Snakes on Sunset back in like 2001, 2002. And back then, Snakes on Sunset in Miami, super, super known for importing. Um, my Burmese python was from there, too. I'm 90% sure all of it was imported. Yeah. Um, they. My Argentine hissed a lot as a baby. She doesn't really anymore unless you surprise her. Um, but, I mean, it, she'll hiss at you. You just reach in and grab her, pull her out, and she's, yeah. you know, she stops. Mine would even hiss in my hands, like as it's moving around, would still like just have its mouth open and hiss. And that's one thing I like about retics. It's like they're pretty predictable. Argentine bow, when I kept it younger, the thing was in my hand hissing. I was like, all right, any moment this thing's going to bite my face. Never did, but like I always felt on edge um, holding it. (laughs) I feel like I can look at my retics and I understand that they don't have the same. It's not like looking into a person's eyes, but I feel like I can look at my retics face and I know exactly what is going to happen and how it's going to happen. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I've never really run into issues with them. So, I mean, they are predictable. They're very smart. I think they're learnable. Yeah. Yeah. I would say even, even during the breeding season, um, when stuff gets a little bit heightened, you can still breed your animals pretty well, just based off, uh, right. you know, how they're reacting to you. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like how I feel I can read my retic's body language and its face and all that, like I don't know if you feel this, but when my retics look into my eyes, I feel like my retics know everything about me more than I know about them. <laughs> like, like would, re- we're, we're anthropomorphizing a little no, bit my, I mean, we, we are, but we are, but man, sometimes I look at my retic <clears throat> and it's looking at me and I'm like, why are you in my soul right now like <laughs> it knows my every move it knows like i'm gonna move to the left before i move to the left well, I, um, I definitely I have, always, have those times that's why i always say my main man is my best friend i i honestly feel like we we just look at each other and we know exactly where each other are at <clears throat> and i know that again maybe that's unanthropomorphizing anthropomorphizing that word that 
that Nathan said. Yeah, anthropomorphism. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a question for you. Okay. You have two super doors, one mainland. Well, you, yeah. Uh, one and one now. One, yes. one and one now. But give us a little bit of ex- insight into like what your difference is between your mainlands, your super door. What percentages are your super door or where the two? And then talk about a little about just kind of the differences that you observed. I think that would be pretty valuable for our listeners to hear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my super dwarfs are both 50%, um, both from the same person, both they're half siblings, um, <clears throat> just a year apart. So um, differences. So there's honestly differences just between the two super dwarfs. I mean, one of them, he, uh, like my male, he kind of just likes to find a place to sit. So he, when you get him out, he'll move around a little bit and then he'll just wrap around your arm. I have hair. He'll crawl up here. He'll wrap around my hair and he'll just sit on my head and he'll just stay there. Rub that's it in. What he, that's just his thing. So <laughs> and I can clean, you know, I'll clean cages, cook food, whatever. Like he, he likes to just find an, your hair looks great though, man. Um, <laughs> he likes to just find a place to sit. He's more chill. Um, my female I had for considerably less time. She was a lot more active. It, once you get her out, she's always on the move. She's always cruising, doing something. Differences between them, I feel like, and, and I have a really small sample size, you know, so, you know, uh, it's hard to say if it's a mainland versus super dwarf thing or just the animals I have. But this, this is all an experiential podcast. <clears throat> this is what it's about. So I feel like my mainland is extremely confident in everything that he does. That's something that I just, I don't know how else to explain it, but if, if you hang out with him, I agree. That's just how I feel. He seems very confident. Um, he doesn't wrap around parts of you as much as the super dwarfs do to anchor because he's, you know, eight feet long and he kind of, he still holds on to you, but he doesn't like wrap around your arms or anything. He's um, still a little baby. Eight he's feet. still a baby. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Much bigger mess with a mainland. <laughs> Food. I don't know. Um, I think they are very similar animals, but I, I sort of fall into the camp where I wish there was more research being done. Um, because as similar, they're both reticulated pythons. They're both, you know, supposed to be essentially the same minus size differences and like locality differences, I guess. But they act pretty different. I would agree. And I don't. I don't know if this is if this is something that has to do with, however many hundreds and thousands or millions of years that a specific animals have evolved or whatever. I don't really. I can't. Respond. Well, I I think it <clears throat> very easily comes down to just the size of these islands and, you know, compared to the the size of the mainlands that, or the size of the range that the mainlands have, um, right? Comparatively, they're not as in danger of being poached or taken yeah. out by some predator. And the size that they are, the size that a mainland is in the wild, even lean as they are in the so wild, I, generally, I, the size, there's a lot less things that are going to eat that versus I, the size of a super here, I would here, think. Here's the thing is, I would agree with you with a large animal. But, but with your animal being eight feet on the mainland island of, let's say... Sumatra or or Malaysia, a, a very big island, and eight foot retic is is like 
That that thing's Maybe. being eaten. That thing's being eaten by a water monitor day in day out. Um, but but so I, I do think that size has to go with the confidence level. I think that Superdors um, have a reputation in the past when they were imported being flighty, not necessarily bitey, right? Um, they're they're not one to bite, but they they just are runners and they're small. Um, they're quicker agile because their size but I, I think maybe a lot of it has to, and i could be wrong this is my experience again experiential podcast but a lot of my superdoor stuff and my pure locality stuff are mostly f1s um and so they move a lot i only have one mainland female she's about 12 13 feet and she's about 60 75 pounds um but dude once once i open up that cage and i just tap her once with the hook she comes out and she runs the garage. She's like, I don't care about you, human. She's like, she just goes out and does her thing. So just like you said, confidence. But I think maybe partially because of that is because of the longevity of captive breeding. I think yeah, super, I think, super, I think super doors, a lot of people that are keeping super doors and especially for me, me alone, again, I keep a lot of F1. I have a wild caught, and then some of my stuff is F2. Um, that's still not far removed from the wild. So to to be picked up by a human and for it to move and move and move is normal. But for a mainland tiger that I have, which tiger is the oldest morph in this country, um, is that a fact? I think. I think it's tiger before albino. But anyways, <coughs> um, it's it's been it's been bred over and over several generations. Uh, even though my my tiger that I have right now is a twenty five percent Bali, and the Bali was only at an F one, um, it's still just the the captive breeding and longevity of mainlands. I think has really shown how that confidence and calmness, in my opinion, just kind of plays a role in that. Maybe maybe in ten years we'll see the same thing with Superdors. I mean, I wasn't around for obviously, you know the early years of retic keeping in the in the states but i mean that seems oh, me pretty, aren't that you seems, older than me i'm 31 i <laughs> yeah, don't know i look like i'm 52 <laughs> but you know <laughs> um yeah i wasn't around for that so but that sounds like a lot of what people said about mainland retics back in the day and over time they're not really it's not the same as dealing with wild caught animals and f1 animals you know they change a lot over yeah, captive breeding, you know, over the years. Yeah, <laughs> the person who got me into snakes, he was talking about getting retics, and the way he talked about retics was kind of like the import days, and you know, we are far removed from that. But even then, I, you know, that was my first impression with retics, and seeing people over the internet work with them in a different way, almost like you can with some of the smaller python species, it made me go, okay, this was something that's attainable now i just want to find the perfect size for me right exactly if 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 if, <clears throat> if my somewhat of a theory or guess like if if i being honest because i love the super dwarf i love the locality stuff but man if if my kalatoas could behave the same way that my single mainland female does here um, that would be the perfect snake if i could have a nine right. foot f adult female retic act the same way that this mainland does with the confidence she has, that would be like the perfect snake in the world to me. I mean, I, a lot of it comes down to interaction. I think too is, Ooh. and I, I, I'm sure that you Ooh. interact plenty with your animals, but I'm just saying that I think a lot of it 
like you can take an animal that might act a certain way and over healthy interactions over an amount of time now they don't act that way maybe they're not as defensive or I'll, aggressive i'll say yes and, and no i think for 90 percent, if not more yes it's every animal can be worked with but there's always going to be that outlier and i've seen a few of these outliers especially within retics over the years that you know as good of the handler as much of as much interaction as this animal can handle it's still not they still hate you guys yeah they still just (laughs) want to kill you um so you you talked about how much you interact chad i didn't ask you this before the interview so feel free right now to say like eh off boundaries and i'll just cut this part but if you're cool with it we can oh you already know it's off boundaries no i don't know no no so 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 something that's been controversial that's popped up in our discord and then in general in retics is how chad interacts and takes his retics out so me and nathan have been a big uh, a big advocate of using a paper towel using a hook tap training providing a safety barrier chad has extremely large testicles and he doesn't um he he and, and that's a joke actually because i know a handful of other people that have the most amazing relationship with their retakes and don't ever use a hook. And I've said this a million times before, maybe I've even said this on the podcast, but we, we attribute retakes to being like these super intelligent animals. Right. But yet like we as humans are still like, I need to put a hook to tap you so that, you know, uh, right. Like a retake should be able to, they're big. So they're big, they're big. You want to be careful, but I, I'm not saying that the hook as much as it can be a confidence builder can also be somewhat of a detriment to your confidence in approaching your animals. Oh, and Chad might be a testament to that. Yeah. So Chad, I want you to kind of just talk about your experience of like your relationship with your animals, why you don't use a hook. How do you go about entering the cage? Um, and, and I just want to clarify real quick to listeners if you are confident enough to do this and you understand the consequences with a smaller animal, start when they're young, right? Like if you just decide to buy a 13 foot adult and you're like, I'm going to stick my hand in there. Like, don't, please don't do that. Like, please use caution. But if you get a baby animal and you want to work with it to go in without a hook, I mean, I'm not going to say don't because there are people like Ed over in Europe, people like Chad who sent a video on our Discord that shows how he gets his animals out. And to me, there's nothing more beautiful than seeing those people build those bonds with animals, retics specifically, without having to use that hook. There's something just kind of magical about watching it. So, I, Chad, I'm going to give you the floor to talk about it because I talk too much. Okay, well, first, I, w- I kind of want to preface this by saying that I, I'm not trying to say to not use a hook because I feel like a lot of where the the dispute or the backlash comes in is that there's like this assumption that I don't think hooks are necessary or needed or they're stupid or whatever. So I fully believe using a hook is a good idea. Um, I have hooks. I did use them. Um, and again, I, I mean, do that. That's the safest way to do that. If you get to a point where you learn, you know, you have an animal that you feel like you could not do that with whatever. So anyways, I just wanted to preface by saying that 
I do support hooks. I do recommend that you use them with retics. Um, <clears throat> so I don't even really know how to, it's a conversation I've had so much. I don't even know how to have it again, but um, when I got my mainland, I did not have a hook for three weeks, maybe two weeks. So I guess in that circumstance, I was just lucky that he was well-behaved. The guy that had sold him to me, I think probably worked with him a good fair bit because he's always been really well-behaved. That would be my guess. So <clears throat> I got a hook. I got my super dwarf. I started using the hook when necessary because I felt like a lot of times when I go into the enclosure, my mainland really didn't care that I was there. Um, and the super dwarf was different. Both super dwarfs were different. It took longer to get to where I'm at. The, I guess the reason I did it, I think they're very intelligent. I'm not a big fan of, I, I like to put my hand on an animal. I just, there's something that, enjoyable about that. There's something, there's sort of this kind of primal sort of feeling, I guess, with building a bond with an animal. Um, oh, especially a predator. Yeah. yeah. Especially something like an apex retics. predator. Right. So, and, and I, in the video that I posted, I also said that like, you don't start like this, right. Work up to this. Also, every animal's different. Uh, my mainland took very little effort to get to the point where I don't ever use a hook with him. I haven't for months, uh, many, many months. And this, my newest super dwarf female did not like me very much when I first got her. Um, so it took me a little bit of hook, paper towel roll, whatever, to get to that point. And by the, you know, when Adler was here, I mean, he, when he was, sorry, he seen how I got her out and she's super sweet. It's, um, I just wanted to be able to interact with an animal that I felt like was intelligent enough to differentiate me from food this way. I didn't want to have to use tools. I didn't want to, if there was an emergency and I didn't have a hook for whatever reason next to me, I don't know. So um, it took a little time. So I started with using the hook and then I would open the enclosure and I would put my hand, I don't know why I just slid a screen top, I guess, because this is behind me. I would open the enclosure. You're, doors, you're doing whatever. shapes like I do. Right. I'm, I don't know what to do with my hands. Um <laughs> So I, over a little bit of time, I would open the enclosure and I would just put my hand basically up to wherever the opening to the enclosure was and I would see how I react. And then I would put, you know, put my hand in further. And I realized really quick that he comes right up to my hand, but it's not like quick. It's not quick. It's not like when they come up towards food, I realized that he could, he didn't think my hand was food is what I thought. So I just started doing that. And now I do it with every animal I own. Um, I think it's possible. It's probably not possible with every animal because, you know, every. Good luck doing that with my wild cock Kalatoa. Right. See, that's (laughs) the thing is every animal is really different. And it's up to you to decide if you want to take that risk because it is a risk. Even if it's a small animal, it's aren't really fun. Um, I don't think. Let's see. I. I actually do that with some of my hatchlings. Like, so not my hatchlings, but my holdbacks from my 2022 clutch of Kalatoa. I do that. I open it up. Yeah. They come out first and then I just stand far away and let them think. And eventually what they do is they'll retreat 
And then once they retreat, I'll get closer, put my hand out, and let it think. Now, will I do that when that animal is seven, eight feet? Probably not, just because I'm a bitch and don't want to get bit by. I've done it, but it just eight. depends on the day. Like, right. depends on the re day. Read your animal's body language and right. spend a lot of time the with nice your animals. You should be able to differentiate when that could be a safe thing to try. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's times when I can tell that my snakes don't really want me to bother them and I don't bother them unless I have to, if I have to clean their enclosure, then I just, I do that one way or the other. But, um, I never really went through this learning curve where I was getting bit all the time and that never happened. They all honestly That's took awesome. it better than I thought that they would. I, I kind of was, I was ready and accepted the fact that I would probably get bit. And I really didn't. My newest super dwarf female, maybe once or twice, she was also really small. Um, but it was never really an issue. And now I do it. Would I let somebody else do it? No. If someone comes over to my house, I'm not going to tell them, go ahead and stick your hand in my retics enclosures because they don't know each other. That person's not me. I'm not willing to take a risk with somebody else. It's, it's my choice if I you know, if I want to do that. And again, like you're saying, would I do it if I had a 15 foot snake? I don't know. Depends on the snake. Depends on the day. I don't know. I really can't say. Lucas! Oh. Lucas oh. is muted! Oh. Yes! Oh. Welcome oh. to 2023, oh. motherfuckers. We're here. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> This is professional podcast. Yes. Man, yes. People, people that are first so tuned. People. That. Oh, I wish. I wish I had poppers like streamers. Oh my god, the works would come people, out right now. People that are watching this for the first time are like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> they click off. They hear no hooks with retics. See somebody muting themselves on their own podcast, and now they're oh, man. Just... oh I've been waiting I, I for forgot, this day. I... Twenty-one episodes, and we are here. I we forgot what here. I was. You guys scared the shit out of me, dude. You guys screamed <laughs> in my ear. I don't even know what I was gonna say. <laughs> Chad, <coughs> excuse me, Chad. I think what I was gonna say was, um, I really appreciate how you observe body language first, and then your instinct tells you to react second. Um, and it's based on the relationship you have with your animals. Um, man, there are some people out there um, that are like really hardcore. on like, if you don't use a hook, you're a f effing idiot. And it's like, I get it because we're all about safety. But like at the same time, I think people that feel very strongly about that have yet to actually observe people be able to develop. Really, I mean, like, do you think people are going into croc monitor enclosures with hooks? A croc monitor can kill you with a single bite. But yeah, what I'll it, take a bite from a twenty foot retic right now over a croc oh, monitor. Yeah, over over a six foot croc monitor. Um, yeah. But but people don't go into a croc monitor with a hook. I mean, you have to develop the relationship and develop an understanding and trust with your animals and. It's possible with a retake. Guys, these animals are intelligent. And for us to, to think that they're not capable of differentiating us with food is just not true in my opinion. Now, again, I use a hook. 
95% of the time going into my enclosures. I'm going to recommend to everyone listening, use it 100% of the time going into the enclosures. But if you decide to do a social experiment with your retakes as they are young and smaller and can't hurt you, please do it. Like develop that relationship with your animal that you possibly have the opportunity to that a lot of people don't ever do. I also bought all of mine as ba- as young, like babies, basically. I would not go, like, again, I would not go and buy an, an older animal and try and do that probably. Um, I, I don't know. Learn your animals, you know? Like, uh, I'm not saying that you're always going to be right 100% of the time because you're not. And I've, I haven't been doing this long enough to be, like, the voice for not using a hook. But the more you interact with them, you can learn your animals and that goes for most animals but you really can learn the behavior the body language is a huge part of that um i honestly i feel like i can look at their face and sometimes i can just tell how, how, if they're feeling it you know so just spend the time and use a hook i again i agree use a hook 100 percent of the time if you decide you don't want to do it safely don't just stick your hand in there i hope that you know your animal well, that you spend as much time as you can interacting with them. So you kind of have, you know, you can kind of guess what's going to happen. You know, it is doable. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's very doable. They are very intelligent. They do a lot of dumb things too sometimes. Um, they're I think, smart, man. They are smart. I think retakes are actually not as smart as we think. They do some stupid shit. I think they're smart and I think they're the, dumb at the same time. I, I they think do the, stupid I, things, but I think they have a, a high level of intelligence, I think, for a snake, just from what I've seen. I think they have a, a high amount of social intelligence, right? Like, I think their social intelligence and their spatial awareness is phenomenal compared to a mm-hmm, lot of species. Right. But, like, you also have to think about, like, the, the most common issue people have with retics is pushing. Like, how stupid are you that you're going to push so damn hard that you split your face in half? Like, don't be an idiot. <laughs> like, I, right? I, well, I don't even <laughs> really equate that to being stupid so much because most of the time, Chad, if, if you have a snake that's pushing. Bored, understimulated is what comes to my mind. I, I understand right. that. But if yeah, but yeah. but we humans are intelligent. If I am bored, oh, yeah, yeah. If, if I am bored <laughs> and understimulated, I'm not going to start yeah. doing this. To myself, right? You know, to no, stimulate no, no. We, myself. We have some pretty self-destructive habits. If you really start digging at it, let's right. let's be real. We might not split our mouth open, but <laughs> look around you. There's some people that when they get bored, they do some stupid shit. Yeah, like Which, eat honestly, I, <laughs> every TikTok trend ever made. From what I was going to say, just hop that, on so. TikTok. I'm sure you'll find something. Just, All right, wow. point proven. Jeez. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> so uh, before we start like closing things up, like I, I think one of my one of my questions in, in terms of retick keeping is do you have any sort of routine with them? Is there any like certain time of day you're feeding, certain time of day you're cleaning, anything like that that you feel like you stick to? Uh I clean with dirt. So Me too. As soon as I notice that's dirty. I clean right away. Um, with the feeding, I feed later in the afternoon, evening. I don't have a specific time. Um, it's just whenever I right. do it. They're know. on my schedule. They'll, it doesn't matter, man. They'll eat. <laughs> like, I always say, like, that's one of the coolest things about retakes. They'll eat anything, dude. You could take your work shoes off and throw your work shoes in there, and they'll eat them if they want. <laughs> they don't care, dude. I'm t- like, 
and it, and it makes it it makes it easy to care for him. You don't have to worry about him not eating. But it does, I eat just in the afternoon, in the evening, you know, whatever. Yeah. Pretty loosey goosey with it. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. you can attest that right before we started this podcast, I was like, "Yeah, it smells like piss." Do I smell pee? I'm not even <laughs> by my snake room. It's just that I can yeah. sense someone peed. I need to go clean right after this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was on a very routine when I had, you know, fewer amount of retakes, and and it was like on this day when I get home from work, but, but now that I have a lot more animals and I'm breeding and everything, it's my snakes are on my time. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to feed you when I have the time to feed you. And as long as I'm not starving you, then I'm going to feed you when it's time. I guess something that goes into that is like, I, I try and change water for all my snakes, like every two days, maybe three. I try and do it twice a week. At least I think that that's kind of important. I know I don't like to drink water that's been sitting around for, days and days and days no yeah i, I do so three I days do... i think three days on on <clears throat> like the the you know four days if it's like i don't know something crazy happens or i'm sick and i can't do it but like three days yeah. two days if i you know two days i get to it but no i agree the most i think the most important thing you can do for a retakes health is give it fresh water every couple of days i also kind of have ocd man and i check temperatures like a lot throughout the week check yeah, temperatures I, on most of my animal just I to make that. sure that everything you is should be right. doing that on your heat tape i mean just I do because it with the heat tape and the enclosures with the panels and i i just like to ambience yeah, and, and heat tape's not I meant wish. to last forever either so it's, it's stuff that baby. you need to be checking yeah. to make sure that you don't have potential hazards you know don't end yeah. up with fires anything like that so right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's super important, and it's not necessarily OCD more than just like trying to stay on top of things. I did the same thing, dude. Every single day that I took a retake out, um, that I was cleaning, that I was changing waters, and I kept on a gradient before, bro. I had I had yeah. the snake in one hand, the temp gun in the other, and I was always yeah. just shooting the entire enclosure. And yeah, I, I do the same thing. The most the most stress freeing thing in keeping retakes that I've ever done was switch them over to ambient. Honestly, man, as soon as I am able to, I would like to do the same thing. I, I love it. Do it right now. But that's also honestly how I realized that my mainland likes cooler temperatures. I used to keep them at you know, uh, I think I started at around eighty nine, and I've noticed over time that he actually prefers when he doesn't have that hot of a hot spot. He seems like his, he's less, he seems happier with slightly lower temperatures. I, I've noticed. Just oh, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. In my <clears throat> keeping, I've I definitely adjusted things lower and lower over the years. And I think Lucas could agree to that as well. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't agree with the whole thing. You know, people that say like keep a gradient to between seventy and ninety degrees, or like keep a hot spot of ninety degrees. I I think ninety degrees is way too hot, yeah. man. Um, especially especially well, if you're keeping thinking, Superdorf. That thinking comes mostly from the ball python industry, and that's a good place to start when we're thinking of retics. But then we need to really start doing research and you know investigating. The microclimates where these guys actually come from and then start right. adapting those things i don't keep um, anything at 90 degrees anymore i keep everything is mm-hmm. 88 was I my hottest my, my mainland 80, usually 89 is around 86 86 86 and a half uh the super dwarfs maybe 88 maybe 
I would I say around 87 is kind of where, where I like are. to keep my hot spots at now. And yeah. everything seems to be pretty happy, but. Even the boas, I don't keep. Most people would. I mean, I try and keep the boas a little cooler too. Honestly, I think most things are kept too hot and either too wet or too dry. I think, <laughs> I think that that's been a problem for a long time. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, generally speaking, I think most people keep their retics too hot. Um, you know, if you want to bump up temps, you know, while they're gravid, you know, that's one thing. But, you know, to have a 90, 90 degree, is my light tripping back there? A little bit. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, to have a, a 90 degree hotspot year round, I just think it's it's too hot, especially for the superdwarf species like... You know, Daniel Solis has talked about that they stay in, in cave systems, that they're up in rocks, that they're doing all this. None of that stuff I don't think is is reaching temperatures of, of you know, 90, 92 degrees. I'm actually interested yeah. to see what he, he shares. Uh, we'll have him on one well, of these episodes. And he, he was the person that first got me started in thinking of dropping my temperatures. He was talking about temperatures long ago and just noticing that Every time he went to the island, it wasn't reaching 90. It wasn't reaching 88. You know, it was like where he was finding these snakes, it was much cooler. So it was videos like that, videos like Dave Kaufman going out with uh, Dan Maleri of DM Exotics and finding just reticulated pythons by the riverside that I started thinking about my husbandry just a little bit differently. It connected right. me a little bit more to where these snakes are actually coming from yeah. and making it a little bit more personal for me. It's, it's tropical. It's not ball Python Africa. And, no. um, and let me tell you this, just being a breeder and, and have having a few clutches under my belt and seeing what can happen. Like I'll tell you this heat overheating can kill your retics. Overheating can kill your eggs your retics will do absolutely just fine if it's 65 degrees for several days. Um, and if, you're, if your female is gravid and their hotspot gets down to 80, 81, 82, they're going to be fine if it's there for a couple days. But if you have that hotspot at 92, like if you keep your hotspot at 90 and then your, your thermostat is off by 2 degrees, 2 degrees is not really a lot. But let's say your thermostat happens to be off by 2 degrees on the warm side, 92 can ruin an entire clutch of eggs. 92 can cause a snake to push its face into obliteration. Um, he is not a not a retics friend. Yeah. That's honestly what I was thinking about when you were talking about uh, when you said retics do dumb things and push. And I was like, you know, honestly, like, it's almost helpful, I think, to some people. If you if you if you see that and then you say okay well let me check everything right is it too hot is it too cold is it too dry right. wet what's going on do they need more cover right do you need to hang something over the glass if you're, you have a big wide open enclosure are they feeling vulnerable like what you know i, I think that's almost beneficial in a way because yeah they speak as long you. as you pay attention and you try and fix you know you try and search for a problem see if there's something you can fix like a lot of snakes don't do that a ball yeah. python might sit on the cold side of an enclosure almost indefinitely because they prefer that hide. 
they just like that hide better than the hot side. So they don't go to the hot side and they just stay cold all the time or vice versa. They just sit on the hot side and they're too hot because they like that hide more or it's more enclosed or whatever, you know? <clears throat> so it is kind of nice that they let you know when something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, they, they're very, uh, it's my favorite part about retics. They literally will tell you. <laughs> Very interactive animals. Right? They will tell you like, hey, you're doing something wrong because I don't want to be in my enclosure anymore. Um, so, I mean, Chad, before we go into diving into your personal life so everyone knows every little thing about you, um, do you want to share with us uh, any other feedback advice what it's been like keeping retakes anything else that you want to do to close up kind of the retake segment of this episode yeah anything that you wish that we would have asked that we didn't maybe get to oh what a beautiful question what what do you wish we would have asked you about your animals um nathan you're getting good at this podcasting thing i'm i'm kind of bad at that i feel like i'm put on the spot i don't know um i mean there i I guess just some ideas off of my head is they're amazing animals, man. If you, uh, one thing I hate hearing is, Oh, you want to retick Buy this first, buy this thing first. I buy hate a, that too, dude. Buy a corn snake. You want to retick? Go buy a corn snake and, and keep that or buy a, buy a boa. You need to have a boa before I, I my first snake getting back into things was a mainland retick. I wouldn't have sold me a mainland retick. If I was that, which is why I don't breed mainland retics. If I was breeding them, I, I kind of want to add a caveat table, to this. Hold on, let Chad finish. I let know, Chad finish. But he no, had go ahead, reptile go ahead, go ahead. experience I, I, before. He did. Well, he did. He did. Yeah, he but did. that was I was like eight or nine years old. So was I though. But and it, I was it a kid, still... and I, you know, um, I, I went through ups and downs of things in the nineties. I, mean, I think. Of, yeah, I Even think as a kid, at I least having some hands-on right. reptile experience, whether it is keeping or owning something smaller and less intimidating, is very beneficial. But no, I <laughs> agree with you that I don't think it, it, you necessarily have to start with one of those animals. So let me let me let me kind of play depth. Like I'm going to play the the middle ground between the two thoughts. <laughs> so because here's the thing: is like I agree with what Chad says a hundred percent because like. I kept snakes growing up, but then I didn't keep snakes for a long time. And like my first true adult snake was a retic. And so when I hear people say you need to keep species A, B, and C in order to have a retic, I'm like, eh, I kind of agree with Chad. But then at the same time, like Chad, I can agree with Nathan in the sense of like me and you both understood what a snake was. What we we've interacted with snakes, we had gained confidence with snakes. Even as a kid, we understood that like okay, they can bite, they might not bite, but like we had an idea of what it was like keeping a species, and we kept a snake in an enclosure. And so I try to think about Nathan's perspective of like if you've never kept any snake ever, ever in your life, you've never kept a reptile, and then all of a sudden you're like, I want to keep a retic. I, I can understand his perspective. Like that's that's. A pretty... I just think about one of my babies going right. out, and that's where it kind of starts hitting me. Yeah. That, no. If I'm a seller and I sell someone a retic for well, the very first exotic animal that they had, I'm calling you daily. <laughs> Be prepared. So the thing, it. My my first thing getting back into things was a mainly retic. My personality works well with things that might be 
I don't, okay, let me let me let me rewind. That might be. I dangerous. did a lot. I did a lot of research prior to getting an animal. Yeah. I would. I've read tons of things on on the internet. I've read books. I've watched as many videos as I could find. I read forum posts. I did a lot of things, and then as soon as I brought the animal home, I just hit that even harder. I just kept searching for more information and more advice. And you know, if you have the right personality, if you're the kind of person who really puts themselves like fully into the things they're interested in, a retic is not that bad of a first animal. I the reason I say I wouldn't have sold myself a mainland retic. This I mean we've I've had this conversation with you guys I think and some of the people on I'd be a really hard person to buy an animal from. Because you could say it, it doesn't matter if I'm selling it online or at a booth or whatever. I'm going to have way more questions for you than you're ever going to have about the animals I'm selling. <laughs> that's just, and that's why I don't breed animals or, or I'm not at least at this point, you know, um, I just feel like more should go into a guy walking into a show and buying a retic. No, no, I wasn't asked, have you ever had a snake? Do you have a snake? Have you ever kept a reptile? There was really no, there wasn't any of that. So that's why I say like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to sell to to the guy who didn't spark that conversation maybe, or I guess that's probably the breeder's job too, though. But I, if you have the right personality, man, they make great pets. If you want to retick, don't go buy a corn snake. Don't do right. that. See, that, that's where I agree with that statement. <sighs> like if I'm, if I'm doing research and I'm like retics are my favorite snakes and I want a pet retick, it's like the idea of like, well, let me get a ball python first, or let me let me get a boa first, and then get the snake that I actually want. It's like that—that's how rehoming happens. That's how it kind of goes against what we we've already talked about. And if you're getting an animal, it should be something that you're totally in love with, with and yeah, invested that you in. love. Yeah, I I wish I didn't have to go through that route, and not, you know, I wish. Yeah, I wish there were easier, easier paths for some people to eventually find their their love in retics. But I think for some, it it does certainly help. If you want a retic, don't go buy a ball python or a corn snake. But if you want a retic and you don't have much experience, little to no experience, just do your research, man. A lot of great people. There are a lot of great people in this community who are probably willing to help you. Don't also don't impulse buy it. Don't be like, I want a retic. Let me just hand them right. Over don't and don't come don't, home with a retic. Right. Like don't go don't to do a that. show. Don't go to a show and be like, oh wow, that purple albino is only a hundred forty right. bucks and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that <laughs> because that's how people end up with a you know eight to ten foot animal in a year and they're like, oh shit, I gotta get rid of the animal. Yeah, 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 I just don't want to ever discourage the kid that's interested in snakes and dips their proverbial toes in the water by buying a ball python and eventually finding out about retics kind of like I was to to think that they did it the wrong way I, I think that yeah if you if you already are, are obsessed with retics and you haven't owned anything there there might be a path where where it makes sense so yeah um, also, yeah. also hold on before yeah. before we go into personal questions I just want to touch on one thing Chad if you could try to just like answer this in a in a concise way but like you said something that struck me um, because both of us, we talked like the addictive personality and stuff. 
but you said like you made a comment something like um there's that that's the reason why I don't breed these animals like you've kept retics and your idea is like I'm not going to and I don't have thoughts of breeding them right now when everybody and their mom is like when I buy my first two retics they want to start they want to start breed them right away what kind of what what's that thought process like um well just in the short time that i've been back keeping animals just the things i've seen and heard i mean there's enough stories to for one i mean that could be a something to discourage you from just thinking you have to breed that seems like every like the some of the questions i see the most often is What's the smallest enclosure I can keep this animal in? And what animal should I get to breed to this animal? You see that those questions everywhere. And that's, that's, I, the animals I keep, I keep them because I love them. I keep them because they fascinate me. They're incredible. And, uh, I mean, they make my life better. They're an important part of my life. I don't have to breed them. There's plenty of people who do that. Um, I don't keep animals for money and I'm not saying that breeding animals, you're doing it for money, but I don't need to do it just because there's the potential of making a lot of money. I don't need to do that. I would rather care for the animals first. Um, there are plenty of solid people out there who are breeding. Um, I don't have to throw my hat in the mix. Have I thought about it? Yeah. Um, I've considered, you know, I really love localities. I've considered kind of doing like a little bit of like what Lucas does. You know, I really love locality animals. I love locality retics. I've considered doing that. Do I have to? No, not necessarily. Will I someday? I, I don't know. I can't say that right now, but right now I'm not going to. I also know that I don't have the space to be working on breeding. I don't have the money to be putting into that right now. Um, my concern always is these animals are part of my family and that comes before making more of them or making money or whatever. I'm interested in breeding, you know, multiple things and I may at some time, I just don't need to do that now. That's just not, I, I think that's I don't know. such a respectable answer. Um, again, just because you own retics doesn't mean you need to breed them, but, um, yeah. just cause you own anything doesn't mean you need to breed it. You don't have to breed ball pythons just because you have a ball right. python or, or, or right. anything else. A corn snake, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, um, okay. And I also, I think another part of it is, is that there's just, if I love localities, I've considered that someday. The only other reason I could see for breeding is if I really, like, say, if I was going to get into breeding dwarf and super dwarf stuff, the only reason I could really see for me to jump into that ring is if I wanted to bring a morph into it or a morph combo that's not there. Maybe I could work towards that because that's something I'm passionate about. But I mean, right. You know, you don't right. have to breed. So, Chad, what we're going to do right now is we're going to go into some personal questions. Not not too, too personal, but this is kind of like what we've done lately as far as like a rapid fire segment. So, short, sweet answers, short, sweet questions. We just want to get to know who <clears throat> the man behind the beard is. I'm going to let Nathan take <laughs> over this part and kind of start asking you some questions. This, whoa, 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 this is your segment. What do you mean? You're leading this up. I am? I, you, you're the one that had this all prepared. I have nothing ready. Okay. So as far as like rapid fire questions go, 
Um, I, I wasn't prepared. Jeez, Nathan, you just typed on the chat. Like <laughs> He's like, that you had questions. No, no, I, I no, <laughs> not at all. That's not what I was saying. Okay, so let let me let me actually. So as I pull up my questions, I typically ask for rapid fire. Um, Nathan, go ahead and you had some questions that you want to ask chat. Go ahead and start shooting that uh, It's off. literally the last question that needs to be asked. So I, I, oh, I need geez. you to lead this off since you you, okay. you want to do All rapid right. fire. All right. I, guys, we've been doing this. And ladies who are listening, we've been doing this for five months. I swear we know what we're doing. Um, Chad, sports or no sports? Sports. Favorite sport? Uh, to watch football, to play basketball. Okay. Favorite football team? Uh, Chargers. Ooh, okay. And they're uh, still San Diego Chargers to me, regardless of where they are now. So, favorite um, favorite basketball team. Celtics. The reason why I'm salty towards the Chargers is because Keenan Allen was hurt in my fantasy league, like literally all season, and it destroyed me. Anyways, yeah. um, I'm sorry. Favorite basketball team. Celtics. I'm also a. I like college sports a lot. I'm a USC fan. Oh, college did football. You, did you Did you see what you so, did right there? You went Chargers and then Celtics. Yeah, my two favorite teams, man. Come on, and USC. I'm a Trojans fan. I've been a Trojans fan since I was a kid too. And then you went, you went, you went Chargers, <laughs> Celtics, USC. Like, wait, hold on, over here, USC. Uh, no, I respect that. Um, I, I actually, my my favorite teams are all over the place too. Um, okay. Um, let me ask you this. Um, so first off, let me just drop. Real quick, um, what? Why do you enjoy amateur sports, aka college? I, have, I don't know. I, I can answer when this I, for when football. I was, Nathan, when I, I was, want you. I want you to answer. I played college baseball, so for me, college sports is nothing that was like. It's not okay. College baseball thing. is probably the the most boring college sport. No one's watching that. Oh, jeez. I've never seen a college baseball game in my I life. feel like I've seen more women's softball televised <laughs> than I've seen college Let's baseball. be real, though, Nathan. You're looking for women's softball games to watch. Let's no, 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 no. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Chad. man. Keep it real with us. <laughs> but, why, why college? But why college? As, as far as football goes, for me, just because... <laughs> I'm in Utah. We don't have any pro sports out here besides the Utah Jazz, which, let's be honest, is just a but developmental team... team for the rest of the NBA. <laughs> right. All of our talent goes somewhere else. Yep. So college okay, football rules. Wait, wait, wait. But also, I feel like these college players, especially in football, have a, a little bit more to play for. Uh, maybe not so much anymore now that they have the sponsorship deals. Right. But in the That's past, you would see them play a lot harder than you do anyone in the NFL. You just see a lot slower pace in the NFL. I honestly have two reasons. That's one of them. I feel like growing up – well, okay, so my one of my – kind of my personal reason is that I played pretty much every sport. I played club soccer – I played local soccer. I played basketball, baseball, football. I played everything. And I never really thought I, – I never was like, I'm going to be a pro sports player. But I could go to college. Maybe I could go to college. Maybe I could play for a college team. I didn't. 
Maybe you got I good could. hands. I could totally see you being a tight end. <laughs> I played tight end and linebacker. Anyways, um, stop go. looking at his tight. I was an out, I was yeah. <laughs> I was an outside linebacker mostly and, and defensive end, but um, Chad, yeah, I just I think they play harder. See, he defends think, that end. I think that it's more possible, so that's kind of what got me into it. Okay, next question. Favorite food? Oh God, I'm vegetarian, man. Who I don't just, have any. I don't just, have any good answers for you, dude. You're, you're, I, I mean, know. I don't, I don't care. I mean, my wife and I went vegan and we had spaghetti squash and it was phenomenal. I, well, I, I actually was vegan for a while too. You know what? Thai food. I love Thai food. If I can get yeah, it, with no meat, if I can get vegetarian great. Thai food. Thai food's my favorite food for sure. As far as just, I could eat it every day. Okay. I don't think anyone would want to live in that house with me, but yeah. So for, <laughs> for, so for those of you that think you cannot get big and strong being a vegetarian, Chad is living proof. I'm also a lot bigger right now than I normally am because I was because... drinking so much. But I'm just, yeah, I mean I've been huge my whole life, man. You can do it. Um, okay. Um, rapid fire question. Let's see. Um, favorite favorite retake morph. Rennet ghost, hundred percent. Oh, you're gonna like what I'm getting <clears throat> soon. Not even not even kind of a question. Rennet you're ghost. Gonna, is... You're gonna like what I'm getting soon. If it's um, a rented ghost, I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> um, okay, so rented ghost, your favorite. What's your favorite locality? Uh, turn eight. Turn eight. Okay, and if you, I can... don't know enough about mainland locality, so turn eight. Yeah, fair enough. Definitely. If you can give any person who does not have a retic advice, you know, into getting retics, what would it be? Do your homework. Do your, homework. do your homework before you buy it. Don't if you if that's something that you really want, do it. Because I mean, I anytime I really just want something, I try it. and do it. Do what makes you happy, but just do your homework. <laughs> They're not that hard this to is, keep. This is coming if from you, the guy who impulse buy it, bought at a show. Well, I didn't. I mean, <laughs> yes, it was right for him, but it, I kind of impulse bought. Like, I mean, yeah. I, it wasn't like I didn't know shit about retics. Yeah, no, 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 for sure, for sure, it, but. They're, they're pretty easy to keep if you can handle the size. I mean, it depends on what you're getting. If you can handle the size, they're not that hard to keep. Uh, just do your homework. Yeah. Cool. All right. And just to wrap up, where can everyone find you online? Where can people reach out to you if they want to? Uh, the only social media I have is Instagram. My Instagram is harsh reptiles. It's H-A-R-S-C-H underscore reptiles. And uh, you can find me on these guys' Discord right here, which I would recommend that if you're interested in retics, join this group, find another group to join. Um, jump on the Patreon, jump on the Discord. You can Appreciate definitely that. find the answers and the information that you need. Yeah, um, and, and good in-depth in conversation. Like um, Chad, yeah, I, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening into this episode. This is kind of the first episode of this segment of new retic keepers that we got to introduce. And and Chad, it's been awesome having you on. Guys, don't forget to put your comments down below. Like, subscribe, go ahead and uh, like and follow on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. Uh, Nathan, anything you have before we wrap up? No, just happy New Year's, guys. Um, Chad, I'm really stoked to have you as our first new keeper on here. So uh, just thank you for putting aside some time for us today. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you on the next episode.
Yeah, thank you guys a lot for having me, man. It was a good time. I always yeah. like sitting down and chatting with you guys. So, Absolutely. You guys have a good it. night, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening, and you guys take it easy. All right, guys. Have a good one.